We're looking at the, the church that Jesus loves. We've been looking uh, for the past couple weeks that Jesus loves his church. He proclaims his love for his church. That's why we have this series, uh, I Love My Church. Those are the words that come from Jesus himself. Now, today, we're looking at uh, yet another analogy of what the church is, what the church is called to be, uh, who we actually are. And it's a kind of a more obscure reference to the church, but kind of in the kind of larger scope of Scripture, it's pretty prevalent. We're looking at how the, the church is, is a field, is a field. All right. We're in, we're in Fair Hill here. There's plenty of fields around. All right, you are familiar with this. If we were in Philadelphia or something, you, you would wonder what a field is. You know. All right. Uh, you look out here. What is the point of the field? The point of the field is to, to be possessed by the, by the landowner and to, to create a crop to, to be fruitful and to multiply, to kind of flourish and, and bring a harvest. And that's, that's the concept that we're looking at this week that we are the field, and that we are all individually kind of planted in this field together, and we are growing together. Now, with that in mind, um, we're going to look at kind of two, two concepts here, only two because uh, this second concept I think is really important and wants to be kind of the focus this morning. First, we have this call to be fruitful as the field. That's the focus of, of the purpose of the field, but more importantly, I think, we want to connect with how we are fruitful, and how we go about that, how we can pursue fruitfulness, how, what context we put it in. So we're not these people who are kind of constantly terrified of not being fruitful enough. And we aren't these kind of dead, dried up plants desperately trying to, to earn our way or to, to produce fruit on our own strength. Ultimately, I want us to see that, that nothing but Jesus is, is going to bring the fruit into our lives the fruit that pleases the Lord. So with that in mind, let's pray, and we'll, uh, we'll look at this. Pray with me. Father, you are the, the farmer. You are the one who is, is working and who has sent your, your laborers into the harvest field. And Father, you have, you have created a harvest in us. And you are working, you are causing us to grow we are not left alone, but, but you are working in us. And Father, I ask that we as a church, as this church here, Reach Church, and, and as a church of universal, that we'd be a church that is growing and that is producing fruit for your glory. Father, we ask that that would be uh, empowered by nothing but Jesus, that we would not be left alone, that we would not feel dry and worn out, but they want to produce fruit because we love you because of what Jesus has done for us. So would you help us to... Uh, to be the, the fruitful field that you call us to be for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are the field of God. Now, through all, all the scriptures, kind of there's this very common theme. Jesus loves agricultural metaphors. The, the Old Testament loves agricultural metaphors. It was hard to pick kind of which ones to focus on uh, in this sermon here. But we, we, the hope was to look at those that Jesus himself uses. But in, the, in the, kind of the larger context, whenever we see the context of, of, of plants and of fields, we're looking at the call to be fruitful. We look at Israel, and they're, they're called the, the vine. 
They're called the vineyard, and they were condemned because they, they produced nasty, sour grapes that no one wanted. They were useless. We look at Jesus, and people who don't understand the Bible get really, really upset at this story. Jesus walks in, and he, he sees a fig tree, and there's no figs on the tree, and he curses it, and it like withers up and dies. Yeah, Kel hates that story. <laughs> People in my generation hate that story because it seems like Jesus is like very anti-vegan, vegetarian, and just going around cursing plants. Um, all right, there's a message here that as the church, as the people of God, they're called to be fruitful. They're called to be fruitful. We're not just here to exist, to, to manage ourselves, to, to grow big and leafy and kind of fill up the space. No, we're actually supposed to bring fruit. And Paul is probably the most specific about what that fruit is supposed to look like, the fruit of the Spirit. Most of you already know it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, as we think about this list, this isn't, this isn't a list of, of ultimately Commandments, this is, from the very heart, who we are supposed to be. And that we are so full of the love that has been given to us by Christ, the joy of our salvation, the peace that we have in him, patiently waiting for whatever he is coming from his hand. All of these things are, are given to us in our hearts that we might produce fruit that is not merely external, that is internal, that, that penetrates from the heart out. That's the goal of our Christian life. And I think I, I want to comfort you with the fact that, like, this is pretty ordinary stuff. All right, I have a lot of questions lately that's like, how come I'm not doing more miracles? And, like, God says that I'm supposed to move mountains. And, like, those aren't, the miracles aren't the fruit. The, the fruit is very simple. The fruit is this kind of joy and peace and love and gentleness and self-control, just wanting to do what Jesus would want you to do. Those are, those are just as miraculous in the, in the hearts and lives of sinners like you and me. And honestly, there's never been a time where I needed to move a mountain to glorify God. There's been times where I just needed to be kind to someone or gracious or self-controlled. And that's what we're called to. Now, throughout the Bible, then, there's the contrary to that, which is the plant that produces what? Thorns and poisonous berries and brambles and, and weeds, just useless stuff that ultimately gets this, this tree condemned, the vineyard condemned, that Jesus, that God himself wants fruitfulness from his people. All right. Now, I was thinking about this this week, and um, how does this help us understand our calling? How does it help us understand our calling? I think, first of all, growing fruit is a gradual process. It's a long-term process. It takes a while to mature. All right, it's not, it's not like, okay, like, I read my Bible today, and like, I must now be this amazing Christian who is, is abundant with fruit. Like, no, it doesn't work like that. It takes a while. And there's this, like, habitual running to Christ and being in Christ and being with Christ. All right, we're impatient when we talk about fruit. Now, in another sense, if we are the field, if we are meant to grow this fruit, this is an organic process. 
I've also had a lot of questions lately of like, what, what like silver bullet do you have for me that I can just shoot my sin and it's gone forever? Or what, what like magical truth do I need to believe? What, what magic thing do I need to be doing that I can kind of start pumping out fruit like a factory? All right, factories don't make fruit. <laughs> they don't. You don't get them in a factory. And, and the God doesn't want our trinkets. He wants fruit that is organic, that comes from the heart, that comes from, from our very being. And you can't, you can't jerry-rig the heart. You can't manipulate it. The heart loves what it loves, and it produces what is in there. This is a big calling. And we can't kind of get away from that calling by, by quick fixes. We really do need to be connected to Jesus and love him that the fruit may be kind of expressed in, in love for Jesus. All right, another truth that, that comes out of this. All right, fruit multiplies. And throughout the scriptures, we see that image, that real fruit isn't just fruit for ourselves or fruit for, for the church itself. It's fruit for the larger field that we are planting. We are constantly growing. We are constantly seeking to, to multiply. And if we have real fruit, we will be doing that. And that's where there's this picture of like, the church wants to be constantly turning over and like moving into new grounds and, and planting new fields, tilling the soil, changing and, and adapting. That's our hope of what we are as this field. That we're not just kind of this stagnant, perfect little garden. We are constantly moving and changing. We are a field out there that is being harvested and replanted. All right, but finally, finally, and this is the most convicting one, is all right, a field is either productive or it isn't. And that's a really scary thing. Because we, start, we talk about images like, like the bride, which is this really beautiful picture, but like the bride isn't called to, to do anything but to be the bride. We even talked about the army, and the army doesn't like, necessarily owe anything to God. They, they fight on for the kingdom, but this image of all of them is the most kind of scary in the sense that like, God is looking for something very tangible from us. And he's saying, like, do you have fruit? What is expressed in your heart? What church are you showing is, is kind of at the root? And I want to focus on, on kind of how we can do that in the right way because my fear is that whenever we hear this kind of thing, we're tempted to say, oh, like, I just need to work harder. Once again, like, oh, it's not really just the gospel. It's, it's the gospel, and I need to try really hard. I need to make sure my fruit is in line. And this nothing but Jesus starts to get really blurred. Now, yes, we are expected to have fruit, but I want to make sure we do it in the right way. We want to have this gift of righteousness to God and for him to come to us and find figs on the fig tree that he may delight in those fruits. All right, but we're going to do it in the right way. So the focus of this sermon is going to be how do we do it? How do we do it? And there's three kind of, we're going to look at three analogies that Jesus gives us. Three analogies, three kind of pictures. Jesus is very practical. Jesus is very tangible, and it's really helpful. 
And ultimately, these, these pictures are going to point us to nothing but Jesus. We're going to be hammering this again and again, week after week. Today we're hammering it three different ways and three different times. It's about nothing but Jesus. And if you're connected to Jesus and if you are really believe that it's not about your works, it's about what Jesus has done, then you will naturally have good works. There's always this kind of weird dichotomy that like, the people who try to get good works in and of themselves can't do it and they will fail. And the people who realize they don't have to do it are able to do it because Jesus empowers them to do so. Those are the only two options. So first, we're going to look at this very famous passage, one of the parables of Jesus, this picture of the sower and the seed. The sower and the seed. Now, in this image, we are the soil. We are the soil, and Jesus, the sower, is giving us the word of God the news of the kingdom. He's come to tell us that salvation is in Jesus alone. That it's not what you do, it's what Jesus has done. That you cannot earn your salvation, but Jesus has earned it for you. He has given it to you freely. And that we have this abundance of of joy and peace and delight in God because he has saved us. We have not saved ourselves. And the question is, okay, as, as the soil... How do we receive this seed? How do we receive the word? How do we receive the gospel message? And there's four categories here. There's four categories. As we look at this, pick a category. You have to pick a category. Everyone falls into one of the four, all right? And so, and this is meant to challenge us. Whenever I've read this passage, I've always been like, well, like, I hope I'm one of, I hope I'm a good one. Uh, I want us to think, how can we change? How can we think about our hearts and how they receive the gospel so that we can be fruitful and abundant? First, Matthew 13, 4. Some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Now Jesus explains what that means, that the sower, he threw the seeds on the path, the birds came and and ate them up. Verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. All right, so this first group, they receive this seed, they receive this gift, they receive the gospel, but it doesn't penetrate at all. If this message has to get to the heart, it it just bounces right off, and there's no understanding there. And the scary thing is that it, it's, it doesn't remain there, and the person can just, oh, I'll just pick it up later. Like, Satan snatches it away. Now, why? Because there was a lack of understanding. That some just hear this, and they just don't get it. They don't get the, the beauty of the gospel. They don't get the, the grace and the, the blessing that is offered there, and it's snatched away. You know, if you feel like you're, you're hearing the gospel and it's just kind of like bouncing off your heart and you're struggling to get it, I would call you to, to seek to understand, to fight to understand, to fight to, to know what this gospel really is and what it means. And if it sounds really ugly or if it sounds condemning, if it sounds boring, then you don't understand it. 
And I think there's kind of this cultural mindset that like, what do you do in church is you like kind of sit here passively and, and hope that someday it penetrates your heart. And if not, like, ah, oh, it, wasn't, it wasn't really for me. I'd call you against that. Please, if that is you, like, fight to believe. Talk to me. Talk to people. Like, if this is real, then it's the most important thing in the whole world. If nothing but Jesus is all you need for eternal life, and there is eternal life, then, like, you don't want this to just bounce off your heart and, and be gone forever. If you have doubts, like, please pursue the, the answers to those doubts. This is actually really important. I know, I know that we as the American church can kind of pretend and, and play like this is, is not real. It is real. It really is. Second, second. Verse 5. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Now Jesus explains what this means in verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Now, why is this one not fruitful? All right, they hear it. It, it kind of it lays on the surface of their heart. And they, they receive this message like, oh, like life and joy and peace. Like, of course I want that. And they're really excited about it, but it doesn't, it doesn't penetrate deep enough. And there are some of you that I think are... I know there's some people in the church who are really excited about the gospel, but I think they're excited about the possibilities of what it can do right now and, and here for their life. And you're waiting for just like, oh, just give me peace and joy right here and right now. And the reality is that as soon as that same gospel that promised just peace in life right here and right now comes, brings persecution with it or suffering with it, it's going to wither up and die. I would call us to, to push that message deeper into our hearts. This is about more than just temporary life here. It's more than earthly pleasures. It's more than, than enjoying the American dream right now. That it's worth suffering for the joys to come. That there is eternal glory before us. That gospel message needs to be pushed down further and kind of saturate more of life than just this this temporary, what do I want right now? How can the gospel get me? My, my favorite idol of the hour. It needs to go deeper. Next one. Verse 7. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Jesus explaining this, verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. All right, so this is less of, it's entered the heart. It's, it seems to, to have taken root. It seems to be there, but what crowds in is the concerns of this life and worldly riches. 
There are these other things surrounding your life that you're, that you're focused on that are, that are crowding in. And they start choking out kind of your eternal perspective, the joy that you have in Jesus, the hope that you have in him, the life that you have in him. Now, I'd call us like, what are the things that, where you're still running after the world? Where you secretly think, like, there's more life in the world than there is in, in Jesus Christ, that it's nothing but Jesus and, and all this other stuff. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll, then I'll find true life. All right, what is it? And I think the call of Jesus here is not just to say, like, to lay down and accept that, but to to fight those things and to cut them down and to, to move away from them, to protect ourselves even from them. Now, I don't want you to do that in a legalistic way, like, oh, I'm not allowed to do A, B, or C. Peter, tell me which ones are, are the bad ones. No, like, what are the things that are killing your joy in, in Jesus? What are the things that are keeping you from, from really seeing an eternal perspective? What are the weights, as, as Hebrews says, they need to be cut off so you can run faster towards Jesus? That's what we're talking about here. All right, finally, this is the one that all we, all, we all are this one, of course. Matthew 13, 8. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. And Jesus explaining, verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. All right, notice, notice, what's the difference between this one and all the other ones? Sorry? Oh, that, that too, yeah. <laughs> uh, it produces fruit, good, good. Uh, it fell on good soil, okay, good, good. Uh, this is a very vague question. Yeah, no, that, that, that was it. Well done. Uh, <laughs> do you say, George? Oh, 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 good. Okay. They understood it. They understood it. What's the difference? They heard the word and they understood it. All right, these ones are not fruitful because they tried harder or because they were better or because, like, you know, they got their act together. No, they're the ones who really understood. And when they saw the, the message of these, when they heard it, they understood what it really meant. They understood that like this life is passing away and there's eternal life to come. And that there's a reason to have joy and hope and peace and love and gentleness and patience and kindness and self-control that like there is something bigger and better. And we want those things. All right, if you want to be fruitful, you want to understand understand what Jesus has really done and let it penetrate your heart, let it, let it saturate who you are, and then, then just be that plant. And the joy that you have in Jesus will express itself. It will produce fruit. The focus doesn't need to be on like you, you as your little seed saying like fruit, 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 fruit. Like, <laughs> no, it needs to be focused on Jesus and the message and really believing it and driving it deeper and deeper and deeper into the soil, into your heart. That's how you produce good fruit. And it naturally comes out of you. When you really see that you don't have to do anything more, when you're totally free from the world, 
when Jesus really is enough and nothing but Jesus is in the heart and the core of your heart, that's what it takes. All right. With that in mind, what soil are you? What soil are you? What soil are we as the church? How can you have greater joy in Jesus? How can you understand it more fully? That's what we're asking. All right. There are more passages like this. And it's like, we're going to keep, I'm going to keep plowing this home. All right. It's only about Jesus. It's about nothing but Jesus. The next, next analogy Jesus gives us, John 15, 5. You can turn there if you want. I'm really only reading the verse, first verse, so it's not worth it. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm the vine, you are the branches. All right, so another analogy here. There's a vine, a living vine, and we all, each one of us, are branches on that vine. All right. Next time you go find a stick, pick up the stick and and ask it, how fruitful is this stick? Probably not very fruitful. You're not expecting to find fruit from the stick. It's not going to do anything because it's not connected to any life. It's not connected to, to anything that's going to sustain it. That, that's the, the very simple message here. And to abide in Christ is to be connected to Jesus. And to be connected to his life, to his grace, to his death, and to his resurrection. All right, some of us are withered up little branches who are trying really hard to make fruit, and, and we're not connected to Jesus. Now, we want to be, and we try to be, but like, I would call us, like, if we want to be fruitful, and I think we all do, I think we want to, to please Jesus, and we want to do these, these things that will bless other people and, and bless God, connect yourself to Jesus. There is no life outside of it. And sometimes we try to tap into other things. We try to tap into like people-pleasing or guilt or shame or the law. And there's just no life there. Connect yourself to Jesus. It's about nothing but Jesus. There is no other life. There's no other source that's going to empower you to do what you need to do. Now, when I say abide in Jesus, like, I say, like, what connects you to Jesus and actually gets you, like, excited about the gospel? That's the kind of stuff that I'm looking for. And that's where we can even say, like, read the Bible. That's assuming that you can read the Bible well enough that it connects you to Jesus. If you can't do that, listen to a sermon that does that. If that's too too much for you, like, listen to a song that does that. Get connected to Jesus. We need to be living in the midst of the gospel. Now, I feel like cheap among sinners, so I'm not... We all need to do that. Otherwise, we're just going to be dried out. Amen? All right. Last. Last. This final analogy. John 12, 23. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. 
All right, this is kind of a different take on the analogy, and it's saying that, like, each of us has this seed. We are seeds. And Jesus came as, as the ultimate and first seed. And what he did on the death and in, in his death is he, he planted the seed. And as we saw, when he rose from the dead, that seed sprung to life. Jesus was the first fruitful one. He bore fruit and he gave us life. And now he's ultimately saying, like, here, he gives each one of this little seed. And he says, this is, this is my life, this is eternal life. But what do you have to do with it? You have to stick it in the ground. You have to kill this little seed, otherwise it's never going to grow. And the reality is, is that we, as this little seed, we're, lay, we're laying above ground, looking out around us and saying, well, like, it, it looks so great up here. I feel like I'm doing really well. I can see the sun. I can, I can see the plants. Like, why do you want me to go six inches under the ground? Why do you want to kill me, Jesus? Why do you want me to die? Why do you want me to die to the pleasures of this world? Why do you want me to die to, to trying to be a good, nice person? Why do you want me to die to the law? And the reality is he's saying, like, that is the only way you will live. That is the only way you will live. That if you take that seed and you die to everything else and you stick it in the ground six feet under, then you will begin to live. If you refuse to do that, you will die. You will shrivel up and you will never live. And day by day, we're asked to do that. To die to all of these other things that promise life to us. And to trust that Jesus was the first seed and he found life. And he's become the source of eternal life for all of us. Are we willing to, to jump in the ground? Now we do that knowing that Jesus already rose from the dead. He is already at the first fruits. He has found the life and, and has, has given us the life in him. If you're going to be able to do that, I would say, like, pursue Jesus, love him, connect to him, die with him. You cannot kill yourself without being dying with him and in him. But you will find life. And we will be fruitful and we have a purpose. And we'll create this harvest, not just for ourselves, but for, for the world around us. Now, one of the ways of connecting with Jesus we're going to partake of right now, that we're partaking of his death and his resurrection, that he, that he, he died, he gave his, his body and his blood, he planted the seed. And so I'm going to invite George up, and let's find the life in Jesus. Let's drive the seed deeper down. Let's believe this with our whole hearts and souls and minds. Let's not try hard. Let's, let's believe Jesus. Amen.